Welcome to the Mormon Marriages Podcast. I am Angeline Bagley. And I am Nate Bagley. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe that the most important thing in life is your family, and the backbone of your family is your marriage. So on this podcast, we talk with couples from the church who provide amazing insights into what it takes to create a marriage that will make you look forward to eternity. It would mean a lot to us if you subscribe to the show, uh, review it on iTunes, and reach out to us if you have any questions, suggestions, or ideas to make it even better. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today is a little different for me because Nate's out of town, so I'm the only one doing the intro, which is a little weird, but um, grateful you're back for another episode. Today we have a really important episode for you. Uh, it's with Kristen Hodson. She is an ASECT certified sex therapist, and she owns and practices with the Healing Group here in Utah, and she... You may recognize her from an episode we did with her husband, Jake. They um, talked to us about moving to Costa Rica with their kids and, and the experience that they had with that. And we actually went to visit them in Costa Rica and recorded this episode there. So Kristen had recently done a, a presentation at BYU on betrayal trauma. And it was a fantastic presentation. And so we really wanted to interview her on the podcast about it. So today we talk about betrayal trauma and it, it can, it can be a little heavy. It's, it's a difficult topic. Um, betrayal in a relationship is hard. It's something that nobody expects to happen or wants to happen in their relationship, but the fact is that it happens. And Kristen talks about how we can navigate it in such a beautiful way and such an important way to not only find healing, but to move forward from that. And so I encourage you to listen to the whole episode, uh, even if it can be a little bit uncomfortable. Even if you haven't experienced betrayal in your relationship, it's important to have this knowledge and get this education so that you can be prepared in the future should it happen. I just want to give a little bit of a, of a disclaimer that um, when we talk about betrayal trauma, we mention a lot about pornography, um, affairs, things like that, that um, it, it's typical to think of that, um, of those as betrayals in a relationship, but that's not the only things that this can cover. Betrayal can be unique and different for any relationship. The information that we cover isn't gender specific, so specific. Uh, Either spouse can be betrayed, the husband can be, be betrayed, the wife can be betrayed. And so when, when we talk about examples or um, talk about certain situations and we specifically say like the wife or the husband, it doesn't really matter. Either can be betrayed and the, the information applies to both. So give it a listen. I hope you learned something valuable in your relationship and also for your listening pleasure, I left in a specific point around the 39 minute mark that I was thinking about editing out because I was embarrassed, but it was so funny and I laughed so hard that I decided to leave it in anyways. So enjoy and I'll catch up with you at the end of the episode. Okay. Kristen, welcome, hey. welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, I think we might put this on both podcasts. 
So welcome back to the show for Love Umentary listeners. And welcome back to the show for Mormon Marriages, because you've been on that one as well. Yeah. So welcome back to the show regardless. Thank you. Um, we wanted to invite you back to talk about something really important. Uh, and before we delve in too deep, I just want everyone to know that we're coming at you straight from Costa Rica. <laughs> I was going to say, were we going <laughs> to talk about that? We're yeah. doing this interview <laughs> in Costa Rica. We literally just got back from the beach. We are sunburned. Ange and I are. You guys aren't because you're used to it. Right. <coughs> so we're roasty toasty and soggy from the beach. And found a huge sand dollar. And found a huge sand dollar, which I've never found one ever in my entire life. And I've been wanting to find one for forever and finally found one. And it's about the size of my palm, if not bigger. It's huge. It's enormous. It's enormous. So it's been a really great week. Yeah. It's been so fun having you guys out here. Like the best. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Thanks for, for having coming. us at your house and then also Thanks making for time to like do be on a show. All the loves. Yeah. So can we just dive right in? Yeah. So I w- we wanted to talk to you about something important. Um, and we get we get messages about this. And you probably do as well. But yeah. this is something in particular that podcast listeners have reached out and asked questions about over and over and over again. And people who join the 1% Club oftentimes talk about this. And it's, I think, something that most people don't talk about and don't don't know how to navigate very well. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I, w- I want to talk to you about is betrayal. Like, specifically what happens when one partner abuses the trust of another partner. In many cases, when we hear reports of this, when we hear people's stories about betrayal, it involves something like pornography or an affair. Um, and it's, it's something that one partner's hiding from the other. And then the, the other partner discovers it and just feels like this big secret has been kept. And there's a lot of shame and a lot of, there's a lot of emotion tied to it and a lot of blame. And more importantly, the trust oftentimes just goes right down the toilet. Right. And, and couples aren't really taught how to rebuild that trust or navigate. So there's, there's a whole lot in, in, this, in this event of like experiencing a betrayal. And so what I want to talk to you about, because you, you just did this amazing talk at BYU, and I have never heard somebody, somebody address the topic or the experience of being betrayed in the way that you did. Hmm. So I'm wondering if I can just volley it over the net to you and just see sure. if you can just kind of like paint a picture of what we're doing right with betrayal, what we're doing poorly with betrayal, and what a partner can do who feels betrayed to actually move forward in a productive way that contributes to the overall health and quality of their relationship. Yeah, and I think each one of those bullet points is important, so I hope we unpack all of those through this conversation. That will be our job to make sure that we do that. To unpack those, because that is really, um, I think what a lot of people want is validation in the experience, and but then also guidance and direction that once I feel validated, what do I do? How do we move through this? How do we feel differently? Um, am I alone? Is this normal? Should I get out? Should I stay in? If we stay in, what what do we do? Um, and I just for clarification's sake, I want to see if because a lot of the ways this is talked about is betrayal trauma. When you hop on to a lot of the Facebook groups or the support um, networks all over, they're describing it in the terms of betrayal trauma, and. One thing that's interesting about trauma is you will see this in the birth world that they'll say trauma is in the eye of the beholder. And so if it was traumatic to you, your description and your experience of that event can be very traumatizing. 
but your experience of trauma may be different than my experience of trauma. So it's important to first recognize that your experience with an event of betrayal can be unique and that that is okay, that it's the feelings and the experience around that. Um, but I, I'll, I guess I'll pull some imagery that I did in my talk is we, I, I started off with showing a whole, a, a beautiful painting um, done by an artist named and Kelly Graves. I, I hope you'll link to her. Yeah, I was going to say, we can show the image in uh, on the blog post and yeah. actually, actually give the imagery. So if you want to see these images, go, That'd to, be great. go to the blog post for this episode. Um, and, and link to the artist because she gave me permission to share definitely, it in the context. Um, and she's, she's done a great job. But when I saw these eggs, they immediately struck a chord of, this is often like, well, let me go back. When you see the eggs, I had people describe what they saw. And with all these cracked eggs, they would say broken, empty, fragile, pain. Um, they came up with a whole variety of words. and Unrepairable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they, they, I said, this is honestly the way that we oftentimes talk about female sexuality. It is, or betrayal, that it's, that's the end of it. That's the end of the road. The worst case scenario has happened. This is it. Um, and then... Humpty Dumpty is shattered and you can't put them back together. Can't put them together. Yeah. And I think that's the experience that a lot of people feel is they teed up their relationship. They prepared themselves at, all along their the way on the road. And then they got married. And they I think a lot of people hold their breath and hope that they're not the one that this isn't going to happen to them because almost everybody has a story whether it's a friend or a family member of this happening to them so I think people kind of go into marriage holding their breath and then they discover the betrayal and it crumbles their world and so I think that's the experience or the feeling of the betrayal um what is it that crumbles you said it crumbles their world is it is it what what crumbles? Is it what they thought marriage was going to be for them? Is it like the, the what is it specifically that's crumbling for them? Their when vision they feel and their dream. I think the dream of the marriage and the spouse and the partnership and the love they had. Because I think about and look at clients and friends and we all had this idea of what our marriage was going to be, who our partner was going to be, who we would be able to show up as in our marriage. And then when you introduce this this experience like pornography or an affair it introduces something that wasn't on your radar and changes the entire dream and fantasy of what you thought your marriage would be and that you also now have to reconcile that you're married to someone that made choices that changed your relationship as well and so i think it alters perception of self perception of your partner and perception of the relationship, and you have to reconcile all three. Well, I think you also kind of have to grieve what once was, yes, because really going forward, it won't ever be what it was before. It will not, and I'm glad you said that because you also you have to grieve yourself because you up sh- you show up differently now that you've experienced this pain, um, and and your spouse, you do so much grieving and grieving we know can initially be denial and anger and not necessarily linearly but simultaneously or rapidly and so I think that exists in that space of betrayal or all these feelings and not knowing I use the word a lot disoriented 
that you start to feel really disoriented and you don't know where you fit in your relationship anymore and your world feels upside down. Is specifically with pornography, which comes up a lot, especially in religious communities, um, is part of the the trauma that people experience can it also be part of like not just their realizing that their partner is not who they thought they were and their marriage isn't what they thought it was, but can some of that emotion that they experience come from the fact that they might tie their value to how their partner perceives them? And if absolutely and if they believe like, <clears throat> oh my partner's turning to another person for or like images or videos for their fulfillment in a specific area of our relationship, then that means I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. My body's not enough. The way we're having sex isn't enough. The things I'm doing or we're not doing, because you can also have people that f- are having a very robust or active sex life and would could describe it as adventurous, and that betrayal hits differently than to the person that would describe their their sex life as um, more of a dead bedroom. More of a dead bedroom. And so it, that piece of why are they turning away when I'm here or they're turning away, yeah, because of it, it absolutely can all go into that experience. I, I, I notice a lot of conversations online moving that direction of like wh- what does my partner's actions say about me? Yes. And I feel like a lot of the pain comes from there or and and... I wonder if you can speak to that a little bit. Well, I think, and this comes to our future podcast on differentiation. Yeah, okay. That's the the differentiation (laughs) podcast because uh, initially we can see that as an extension of ourselves or an indicator of who we are or who we aren't. And that is a byproduct. I think a lot of times relationships can get into an enmeshed place. Um, The we're almost so infused. We are one. Therefore, anything you do is a reflection or extension of me. And that is not the case. So the differentiation is a piece of healing from betrayal, trauma. But I'm going to put a pin in that for a future pin podcast. It. Stay tuned. Because that's been one that I think has we've come been, up a lot. Yeah. Maybe we've been trying to do. Um, so going back to the eggs is you can see broken eggs and, and see them as broken. But then I showed a different set of cracked eggs and they had a little beak popping out and it it elicited different emotions and different feelings of the potential, the beginning of a new. And they're both cracked, but which one do you want to focus on? And when we just focus on betrayal, we're just focusing on the trauma and the pain and where people oftentimes get stuck is they get really and it's important it's an important piece of the process but it's not all of it, is to heal the betrayal, to heal the anxiety, to heal all of that. And then once that's healed, we're, we're well. When really the absence of trauma doesn't equal wellness. The absence of anxiety around the trauma doesn't equal wellness. And so we can get to a stable point with trauma and feel like, okay, we're better, but we still feel dissatisfied and unfulfilled in our relationship because we're not moving towards something right we're not moving toward a healthier place in our relationship which is that potential it's the vision beyond repair so what i'm hearing you say if i can repeat this back is that there's a lot of people who go through an experience of betrayal they experience a lot of trauma they focus on healing from the trauma but healing from trauma does not 
equate to having a great relationship again. Right. It just means you heal from the trauma. And so people can focus on healing from the trauma and then not have a path to move forward. They don't know what's after that. Like, okay, I've gotten over this trauma. Now what? Why isn't my relationship better? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the other image I like is that healing from trauma is very similar to two oars in a boat to move forward, you need to be rowing both. And if you're just rowing one, which is the healing from trauma, you can work really hard rowing one oar, but you go in circles, but you can work really hard, but then be frustrated that you're not going anywhere. You really need the other oar of moving towards sexual and relational health to move in a different direction. Because when we talk about pornography or an affair or these different things happening, Particularly LDS people can get into relationships and because we share the same values, we don't discuss, we don't discuss what a, a breach or betrayal would look like because if you um, have an ex-girlfriend and you talk to her on Facebook, but you've never talked about it, it could be like, well, we're just friends. We just talked on Facebook. I didn't do anything with her, but that can all of a sudden expose, uh, you betrayed me. You hurt me because you should have known. That's not in our values. That's not in alignment. But we don't have these conversations to really unpack what we want. What our I'll use the word monogamy agreement, and maybe you would def- no, like describe that, that differently. Yeah, yeah. Of like, this is how we are agreeing to be monogamous with each other. Um, we don't really get into that, and so then suddenly we discover that we have expectations, we have agreements, but we've never discussed them with our partner. I would be, yeah, I think expectations, yes, agreements, no, unspoken agreements, yes. Mm -hmm. Expectations are basically unspoken agreements. And I think there are a lot of couples who have a lot of unspoken agreements. Agreed. Well, I think sometimes even the fact that we don't have these conversations often, it's not something in the forefront of our minds. It's not something we may have defined for ourselves. Yes. Like when it happens, for example, your example with um, talking with an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend on social media maybe I didn't realize that one of my expectations was that you didn't do that until it happened. Exactly. Right. And that's oftentimes where we discover the, I I will use expectations because we can expect our partner to behave in this way, um, but we don't ever share it. So then when we talk about it, it can turn into an agreement, a shared agreement that because we've discussed it, we've both participated in creating now what we're both going to live by from a place of integrity. So the expectation can turn into an agreement. Um, and so I think what happens is betrayal, and it fortunately and unfortunately creates opportunity to expose relational cracks that there, there already can be some cracks and then the event brings them to the surface that need to be managed. And so where I'm going with a lot of women now is what, what do you want for your relationship? What do you want? Because for many women, like Angela said, they've never had the opportunity or been guided to or even thought about what do I really want? So often female sexuality is defined in the wake of male sexuality. And then when we're dealing with betrayal, we're still actually focusing on just getting well, healing from the betrayal, which is the hurt that was done to us, 
and we're still not focusing on ourselves. What do we want? What do I want? What does a sexual relationship look like to me? What does a monogamy agreement look like to me? Becoming whole in ourselves, well, hopefully our partner's becoming whole in themselves, and now we discuss from a place of wholeness instead of, I've just been wounded, I need to repair the wound, but I still don't know what I, mm-hmm. I still don't know what I want. I just will still let them decide what they, what we want. So if you're going through something this right now, there's, uh, the, I think here's where we're at in the conversation is one, you do need to focus on, on, on unpacking the betrayal, yes, the trauma that absolutely. you feel from being betrayed. But you also need to do that while simultaneously getting really clear on what it is for you to have a, a healthy sexual agreement. It's, I don't know what we would call that, but like work towards healthy sexuality. Well, work towards a healthy relationship with your partner because just focusing on the betrayal is going to send you in circles. And just focusing on your partner not breaking the monogamy agreement sends you in circles because oftentimes we'll get stable and our stability is dependent upon them not not looking at porn or not cheating again or not and that can be an anxiety provoking place massage exactly and so needing to get and that's where that differentiation piece comes in and i i really pull from the work of doug brown harvey where he talks about the six sexual health principles as well as managing, um, learning how to manage our effective and deliberative responses to people. Like what that means is our knee jerk emotions, the anxiety, the high anxiety that just lives and exists and it's almost, we can't control it. And then also the things that trigger us learning how to manage that, but it's really to entangle and to become a, a, a whole person, um, in, in the mix. And so that's where I see women craving for something more and and just healing from the trauma isn't enough but i want to heavily 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 empathize with the woman that has been betrayed or the husband who has been betrayed and feeling deeply hurt and hopefully hearing in this not minimizing that hurt that that is a relevant part of the process it is a critical crucial part and then if you choose to move forward in your relationship, because for some people, they choose to end the relationship, that still can be part of the vision beyond repair. That still can be part of you becoming sexually healthy to end the relationship. So I don't want to put a priority on the outcome, but more the process of moving towards something instead of trying st- getting stuck in just preventing. And I think that's an important distinction. I just had a visual when we've been talking about this, um, when we focus on healing as it's great to heal, but not quite enough. I just keep imagining in my head that one corner of that one counter that we all have that we constantly bonk ourselves on, like constantly get a bruise from hitting ourselves on this corner and healing from that is great. The bruise goes away and everything's fine but the corner's still there and we're still going to bonk it. Like you got to do something about that corner, whether it's getting rid of the corner or whether it's finding a different way around the corner. I don't know. That was, I love that. that. No, that's exactly, that is Mm -hmm. a beautiful and perfect illustration because that's exactly what this is. It's really scary for most couples to start having 
real conversations about sexuality. A lot of people will get into panic mode of, oh my gosh, I just got caught looking at porn. The obvious answer is just to get rid of the porn and then we can get back to our relationship as, as usual. It's usually an indicator that there needs to be having conversations or other other conversations and um, a real hard look at the relationship and sex life, which can be new and uncomfortable and scary for a lot of people. I know a lot of people are going to hear you say that and they're going to be like, well, what are the conversations we should be having? Yes. Like, okay, so we just are, we're going through this betrayal thing right now. We're interested in rowing, grabbing hold of the other or so that we can actually go somewhere with this so that we don't get constantly caught in this, this cycle of uh, he looked at porn again or she went, she messaged the guy again and we're back. And then, you know, betrayal, apology, back to normal, betrayal, apology, back to normal. And it feels like an unbreakable cycle. Right. So, okay, what are the conversations that we should be having? What are, what does the next step look like? I think the first thing is looking at what are our shared values around sexuality and starting to actually negotiate from the beginning of, okay, so we want to be together. We also want to be monogamous. What does that include? What does that mean? And our, it's not just um, all the don'ts. That can quickly turn into, we don't do this, we don't do this, instead of, well, what do we want? What is the purpose of our monogamy? What does monogamy bring to our relationship? Because the key here is, and and this is an important piece in this conversation of betrayal, is the balance of pleasure and safety. We can focus so much on getting safe that we forget about pleasure. You cannot experience pleasure without safety. So the conversations that most couples need to be having are... um, dealing with safety so they could then experience pleasure. So what are our shared values? What is the kind of sex life we want to be having? What are the experiences we want to be having? How do I want to feel after a sexual experience? How do I want to express myself? How do you want to express yourself? What about fantasy? All of these different things. Those are the shared values. Um, The next is mutual pleasure. I cannot tell you how many women I work with that have not experienced an orgasm or have a really difficult time um, experiencing orgasm and they're not experiencing pleasure in their relationship. And part of it can be that they feel uh, that they need to be having sex in order to avoid them them going out and, and having another sexual experience, but they're not experiencing pleasure. That's a really great place to be like, how, how is, what do we want to do about this? I would, and, and people having to decide if they want to experience pleasure. Um, the next one, and I'm, I'm kind of looking through Doug's sexual health principles. One of the things that can get confused is consent and exploitation. This is a really good one. It is really good because we can be like, they went outside of the relationship and they didn't have my consent. That's actually exploitation. If you and I, have a monogamy agreement. I have a monogamy agreement with my partner and he goes outside of the relationship and doesn't take the time to be like, I'm having these thoughts. I'd like to renegotiate or whatever. He's actually exploiting my trust. It's, that's not a consent issue. It's Doug called it. Do you remember what he called it? Just be, it was, um, ruthless. Yes. It's ruthless behavior. It is ruthless. And people don't like to be labeled as ruthless. And this is Doug Braun Harvey for anyone who's inter- who's wondering who Doug is. Yes. Um, so it can just be ruthless is I, I know that I've got your trust. I know you're trusting me and I'm going to 
go out in take spite of that of and take advantage of that. Consent is where you're truly asking um, to be able to physically touch or have a different experience. Consent deals with the body specifically. And engage with each other. And so there needs to be consent. Um, what what are places that we need to have consent? What are places in our relationship that don't need consent? Like you don't need to ask me every single time you kiss me, or maybe you do. Um, the shared pleasure, going back to that, maybe I don't love when you grope my chest when you come home from work and I'm hanging out at, in the kitchen or whatever the case may be. That can also be a consent issue. Can I do that? No, you can't. Thanks for asking. So it's learning how to have sexual health principles in your relationship to bring pleasure. And it largely is because people have not had any conversations around their sexuality at all. So healing from the betrayal is one thing. Moving towards sexual health individually and as a couple is key. Um, the next one would be the, and for some people they ask why this, but the protection from STIs and uh, unintended pregnancy. It is amazing how many people, again, if, uh, if people are acting outside of their monogamy agreement, I have them go get tested right away. You cannot experience pleasure if there is potential to be having STIs or other harm brought to your body into the relationship. And so there, ha there may need to be discussions around that depending on the kind of betrayal that's yeah. going on. So those are the kind of conversations. I mean, I wished I could give people the 30-minute formula in this podcast. But it's big... But it's a bit. It's a big. But it's I a big start, though. Even just the conversation of pleasure and safety. Pleasure and safety. Like start out with the conversation of safety. What I betrayed you. I've cr I crossed the line. I broke an agreement. Whether it was spoken or unspoken, it's obvious that you're hurt because of something that I did. What do I need to do to make you feel safe again? What do you need to do to make you feel safe again? Like what does our relationship need? What does our relationship need so that we that we can both feel safe again? And in, in the context of that safety, how can you experience pleasure again? Exactly. And do you need time? Do you need space? Do you need, you know, like, do you, whatever, whatever, it is, like, the, the, the talk of safety, I think, is a one that probably comes kind of naturally to some people. Yes. But because it, it, it comes accompanied with the healing. Uh -huh. um, because you can't heal if you don't feel that kind of safety. But we don't talk about the pleasure afterwards. Now that you're feeling safe again, how do I bring you pleasure without bringing up maybe... Um, That's vulnerable. Yeah. When you talk about how can I bring you pleasure, I don't know if I want to feel pleasure. And also... I don't know if I want you to give me pleasure. Exactly. And the... Oftentimes, um, I go back to the restaurant analogy when couples are trying to figure out a restaurant on Friday night. And it's like, well, I don't want to go here. Do you want to go to Chili's? No. Do you want to go to TJ Friday? These are old school restaurants that yeah, they always okay. come to the top of my head. Um, do you want to go? I'll put out Chick-fil-A. No. I'll go anywhere you want, though. Okay. Do you want to go here? No. Okay. Well, where do you want to go? I don't know. And so what can happen with pleasure and safety is people... And I find a lot of people are really comfortable in saying what they don't want in a sexual relationship. And then when you say, what do you want? They're like, uh, I don't know. Spending time with that one question of what do I want? What do I want? Chew, like put that, put that in the mental crock pot and let that simmer as you're driving to and from work or to the carpool and just let things pop up of what do you want? Because most people had an idea of what they want or what they thought they wanted before they got married. Um, before the before the betrayal, or maybe it's how things were, but you need to be able to answer what you want because then that's what you're working toward. How you get there is the work. 
that is where the work is, is trying to, to get to what you ultimately want. But if you're not clear on that, then all you are doing is the one or and, and trying to mitigate and reduce anxiety and pain. What, what would you tell somebody who is trying to move towards this and they still have a partner who, I don't want, maybe this isn't the right word, but relapses? Yeah. Um, I think that, that th- that's why this work can be really, really important and non-formulaic because one of the challenges with the idea of relapse is it can disrupt the safety to experience pleasure over and over and over again. And so I think if you, the way in which you're approaching this problem together as a couple is really important. That's where you need to be doing your own work and really figuring out what is best for you. For some people, they choose to stay. Um, but there, I have a big, uh, I'm a big fan of when you change me, you change we. And if you're doing your own work and you're potentially exploring your boundaries, where you're willing to go in the relationship, where you're not, as long as this is a part of it, as long as uh, we're making this agreement and you keep breaking it, that's not healthy for me anymore. This is what I need f- to be healthy. I think that that individual work, it's not, it's not enough. The challenge with pornography is it's, we can often get comfortable of saying it's their problem. They're the ones that need to get better. And I'm just going to wait here while they get better. And then we just keep waiting and watching and become highly obsessive over what they are doing or what they are not doing. And then we don't feel well. We always feel like the, the other shoe can drop. This is interesting because it's bringing to mind another side of the story that I, I don't want to be like gender biased, yeah. but I feel like generally speaking, I get these stories. Mm-hmm. Women come to me and, and talk to me about their husbands looking at pornography and I've had several men come to me recently telling me about wives, mm-hmm. their wives who just basically tell them, uh, we're not having sex anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, what you're looking for is physical affection, I'm not interested. Um, so don't plan on it. And I don't, I don't, I, it's not okay for you to go outside the relationship to get that either. Correct. And so they hold their sexuality hostage. And I've talked to several men who it's traumatic in a very similar way where they're like, I feel trapped by my partner's decisions. I don't want to be unfaithful. I don't want to go outside my marriage. I love my partner. I want to make it work. We have kids. We have a family. We want to make that work. But my wife is just not interested in pleasure, especially pleasure with me. And I don't know why. And this sounds like this exact same solution pertains to them. Exactly. You need to figure out what a sexual health agreement looks like in your relationship. And your willingness to, to collude into being held hostage. Right. Because there can be a belief that you are held hostage when really you don't want to look at the challenge or confront yourself right. or your partner with the bind. And so the best position is to stay and resent the partner instead be, of being like, be what's kind of my contribution victim. to the position that I am currently right. in? That's, that's the way out. But when we lock ourselves in of the, my partner has put me here and I have no choice. That for is either of these situations. For either of these situations. There's actually a lot of marital situations where a partner will draw a hard line in the sand. It's the hardest relational situation yeah. to work with because you don't have a working partner. And so then it has yeah. to be, why, why am I staying in a hard line or what am I not, why am I not willing to fight for this or confront my partner because it's usually about something in themselves. 
I feel like the phrase, I have no choice, actually really should be, I don't like my choices. I don't like my choices and I don't want to choose and I don't want to have to take action and be really, really uncomfortable. Right. Like, for example, I don't want to do the work to figure out why when my husband looks at porn, it makes me feel terrible. Mm -hmm. Like... It might be, it might feel like it's obvious, but it might take some digging to come to terms with the fact that like what his looking at porn, what, what you start saying about yourself because of his actions, Mm -hmm. that's something to unpack. Mm -hmm. It might take some unpacking to sit down and think, why am I willing to stay in a marriage with, with a partner who says, I don't want any, I don't want to touch you. I don't want any affection from you. Why am I willing to put up with that? Yep. Why? Under these terms as well. Yes. Why am I willing to, to have the hard line and be held you but i'm not going to give you affection and you can't go outside the marriage right and and why am i willing to be faithful in a sexless marriage and not speak up about it Mm -hmm. um i also really want to talk going back to the the visual of the paintings Mm -hmm. of the broken eggs and the eggs with the beaks poking out of it so we've talked a little bit about betrayal trauma and what we can do to move forward from that, how we can heal from that, and then the second or of moving towards sexual health and safety. But I also really want to touch on this point of new beginnings mm-hmm. um, and potential mm-hmm. and rebirth. Mm-hmm. Because having a betrayal in a relationship or in a marriage is really hard. It's very hard. Very hard. Um, Like we said in the beginning, your relationship will never be the same. It just won't. But that doesn't mean to say that it can't be beautiful again and amazing again. I think it can be beautiful and then some. Mm -hmm. The relationships and a lot of the times I have couples come to me and say, we thought this was the end and this was just the beginning of something that was so much better that this actually exposed a lot of cracks in ourselves and in our relationship that needed to be addressed. And while it was painful and messy to get through, we are so much better, healthier, happier, and secure mm-hmm. in our relationship. Right. And so the, the new beginnings, the new birth, it can, the cracks can be the beginning of the end and a death, or it can be, be the beginning of a new and a rebirth. Right. Um, and as horrible as it is to have a, b- a betrayal in a relationship, it can oftentimes be a blessing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and I want to be really careful because they're, they're in, in certain approaches to betrayal. It can be by default that the, the partner on the other side of the betrayal is potentially the cause or their codependent mm-hmm. or all these other things, the betrayed partner. Um, and that doesn't have to be the case. It can be an exposure in the person that's looking at porn and it actually mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the partner, but it has mm-hmm. everything to do with themselves. It can be a symptom of the relationship, um, but, uh, but it's really important that people don't go and extensively blame themselves or right. feel like because this happened this is the cause um but it can be clues to explore and coming up with the questions can be sometimes more important than finding the solutions after a betrayal and becoming curious rather than the con- the conclusion and moving from from a 
I, I know this. Finally, I don't know what I'm trying to articulate here. Just edit this out. <laughs> That's okay. Probably won't, but. <laughs> uh, the sun it's hangover right so now. It's so hot in this <laughs> room. Like, I'm looking at this. I'm loving it. This. Um, I'm thinking about 12 hours Air from now, conditioner being like, oh my gosh, I, we're doing, we're doing a podcast in the sweat lodge of Costa Rica. Yes. Like <laughs> and I love it. I'm trying to stay focused, and I'm also <laughs> like I'm feeling sun drunk a little bit. I've never been more present. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm uh, like sweating bullets. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Uh, this is all wonderful information, and I hope that, like, what Kristen said, what you said, it's not. There's not an easy answer. There's not a one size fits all answer for somebody going through something like this. It. It depends on every every situation is different. Every relationship is different. Everybody needs to have different conversations and ask themselves different questions. And if you're in a position where your betrayal is present in your relationship, like you, you've been betrayed or you have betrayed your partner and you're working to rebuild and you don't want to end the relationship, you both agreed you want to figure this out, where, do you, where would you recommend people go? Find a therapist? I think finding the right therapist. I think that's really key mm, of what you're... That's a whole podcast in and of itself. But yeah. I, I wished I could say just find a therapist. I'll, I'll link to the article that I wrote about how to find a good therapist. That would be good. In this Because um, you want to find someone that is truly trained in couples work and doesn't necessarily align with one or the other. Yeah. You also want to train find someone who's trained in sexual health, which is different than, than just addiction. Right. Um, that would be an important thing if you're wanting to move beyond the betrayal and move on to that next step. Right. Um, and, and so that professional work, this, this piece right here, managing out of control sexual behavior and the, the partner's work for the betrayed, this is new stuff. Like when I was doing my presentation for BYU and I was looking for research on this, it doesn't exist. So we're, we're forging new s new paths, and so we're figuring it out together. We're figuring it out together, and um, but finding a sex therapist that's trained, and and I would ask them, I I would interview these therapists because it's just so important. As a sex therapist, what questions would you would you want a a, a client to ask? Like, what are what good is questions your training? To ask? What is your approach? Because in most states, you can say you are a sex therapist and have never taken a class on human sexuality, or maybe you've taken one class. Right. Um, and I would ask them maybe what their philosophical approach is, what their are training there, is in couples work. Are there specific things that people should be looking for in these answers? Um, I would say someone that is trained in sexual health and couples work. Just because you can see an individual doesn't mean you can see a couple. It's not just one extra person in the room. Right. So, But 75% of what makes therapy work is the fit relationship between the you want someone when you are seeing a couples therapist that is rooting for your relationship which means they're holding the complexity of both sides not just aligning with one of you but they're they're cheerleading and championing championing for the relationship whatever that looks like gotcha um so you can you can find sex therapists in a variety of places asect aasect.org is one place um and, and there can be, I mean, I, honestly, I would say reach out and 
talk to you or email me. Totally. Um, You're more than welcome to. And I and linking to, to your article help. is really important. But I always just say that the, some of this stuff is new and it's important for consumers to be really on top of finding a good therapist for them. They have that right and it's worthy of their their time to find someone good. Yeah, better better to spend an extra couple of days interviewing and researching therapists than to just go to the first one that mm-hmm. you find and hope that it works. Yep. I, I always tell people, go on a few dates, meaning yeah. try out one or two and see if it feels different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So therapy is one great option. Any other resources that you would recommend to people? Um, I need to think about some books that could be available that could be really helpful. Okay. Um, that may not tie in directly but can be helpful in other and gotcha. new ways well i love that you've painted this picture of something that's that's beyond more just healing from betrayal because there are so many people who are struggling and i feel i feel like that the analogy the visual that you painted was perfect where they've got the one or and it's just like i want to heal from this betrayal i'm feeling a little bit better oh my partner screwed me over again and now I'm heartbroken again and I'm back at the bottom and then I row and row and row and I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. We're building trust. And then my partner breaks my heart again and then we're back in the dumps and it's just this nasty, nasty cycle. Right. And there has to be something better than just waiting for your partner to not screw up. There just has to be. And there is. Yeah. And there so is I love that this is a conversation that we can have uh, uh, that it's, you need to hold both oars mm-hmm. and row forward taking charge of what it is that you want and working towards building that and also creating clear boundaries with your partner and just working towards the thing that you both want. Yep. Have a common goal, not just what you want to avoid, but what you want to work towards. That's right. That's a beautiful thing. That was a great summary. Thanks. You're welcome. And I'm really excited to have the differentiation conversation because I think that's another big part of this. It's a huge piece. Um, And I think that'll be like a long episode, but that'll be a a good one that I think will complement this one. I think it should be back at the Siesta House. Perfect. When you guys come back in town, we'll do that one. That sounds good. Great. Um, If you guys have questions or if you want to follow Kristen and uh, get more of her goodness, where would they do that? Right now, the the best place is Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. At Kristen B. Hudson, I share a lot of daily information on sexual health. um, And my page is to provide you education to be the sex expert of your life. Take what's helpful, discard the rest, and improve your life. Stoked to share this episode with people. And uh, definitely follow her because she is packed with all sorts of really good stuff that everybody should be everybody should know like this is stuff that should not be foreign to you you should you should be able to teach your kids about this stuff so that they're prepared when they go out in the world and you should have this stuff in your back pocket so that you're not so that you can find your own answers yeah so this is an important part of your relationship and when people's sexual life is struggling it has a massive toll on their relationship and uh, so often those problems could be mitigated or minimized if we just had a little education yeah and Kristen is that one of those great resources that will give you so much Thank goodness. You. Yeah. Thanks. Um, anything Thanks you want to add, Ange? By the way. No, I, this has been wonderful. You're ready to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, guys. Uh, thanks, and we'll see you when we're back in the States. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for this important episode. I hope that you learned something valuable. Um, I know that I learned that it's probably not a good idea to record a podcast uh, after spending a few hours in the sun. (laughs) But I also learned 
so many important things about betrayal trauma. And with that being said, we really just brush the surface. There's so much to learn and so much to um, confront in this topic. So please follow Kristen on Instagram. She is a, is an incredible resource for this, these kinds of things. Um, she is so empathetic and kind and thoughtful and knowledgeable in what she does. And she approaches these uncomfortable topics in a way that makes them approachable. So give her a follow on Instagram. Also check out the blog post for this episode for all the things that we said that we would link to. And another thing, just wanted to say thank you to those who came to our date night events these last couple of weeks. The one that was in Provo, the one that was in um, Ogden. We had a few listeners come up and introduce themselves to us. And we just love meeting you. We love talking with you. Doing this podcast is something that brings us so much joy. And to hear how it changes people's lives and how it affects their relationships just makes it so much so worth it for us. So thanks for being our people. Thanks for being so supportive. And we will see you at the next episode.